Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host with the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and today we have another legend on the line, um, and it's my friend Ite Bengal, uh, or Bengal. I can never pronounce your surname, or your brother's surname. How do you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, honestly, anybody pronounce it how they see fit. I don't mind. I always say Itai Bengal. Um, some people say Bengal. It's all the same to me. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so Itay's a badass for so many other reasons, and we'll tell you why. But we've been friends on Facebook for a number of years, and I actually, it's one of those fun things that happened with Brad Costanzo as well. Um, it was one of those things where I realized uh, I've been friends with you for ages, but we've never actually spoken a lot. Like it's it's in passing. Yeah, commenting on threads, various conversations through comments and all that. Uh, but yeah, here we are. Yeah, like on I the think, podcast. Yeah, because you were out in London. I missed you entirely when you were here. Um, yeah, I was. I was a mile. I was uh, staying in Mayfair, and I. I didn't even get to put eyes on uh, Big Ben or Parliament or uh, the Palace or anything. Like no time for anything. anything. What's really funny about that is that you actually live a good ten minutes away. When you were there, you were ten minutes away from my place. Yeah, it was. That's it fun. was constant. Yeah, I mean, I was, sure. uh, you know, meetings, events, deal making the entire time. Oh yeah, no, I remember seeing your Facebook posts about it. I was like, damn, he's busy. Um, but yeah, just real quick shout out to our sponsors for this episode today. We are sponsored by FinancialCopyShop.com. If you go there right now, it's Ite's uh, site. It is going to be huge. If not, by the time the show comes out, it's not already huge. It will be. Um, get all your copy st uh, stuff sorted. Like seriously, the guy is amazing at sourcing the right people and making sure that you guys get results. Um, and we will talk more about that in a moment. And also sponsored by on this episode by StorySellingEmails.com. If you go there, you can get my free video on how to write better email copy starting today. Now, my first question is quite simple. How did you come up with Financial Copy Shop? Um, yeah, so I was uh, I was with uh, Simpler Trading, uh, which is a great company based out of Austin, Texas. Uh, John Carter, CEO, uh, good people there. And then we parted ways, and I uh, was trying to decide what I wanted to do next. Uh, and then as soon as I posted that I was no longer with the company, uh, everybody started flooding me with offers to come work in-house. And I was just like, man, I really don't want to be anyone's employee. Uh, so I was looking at, well, I can make my own product, which I just didn't feel like doing, didn't feel like making my own, uh, you know, making my own product, making my own site and then doing the marketing for it. Um, and so I was like, well, I can just go back to freelance copywriting. And that's what I wanted to do, uh, except I was limited by bandwidth. So if I wanted to see more revenue, I had to either A, raise my rates, uh, which I'm still limited by bandwidth, or B, take on more clients, uh, in which case I'm still limited by bandwidth. So the other option that I, that I thought about was, well, you know, if I have more work than I can handle, which is what was coming in, then I can always try and hand off to other writers and take a percentage. And then I thought about that and I was like, well, I can't really do that and ensure quality unless I have them do things a very specific way. So then I thought about, well, how would I do that if I did want to make sure everything was done in a very specific way? Uh, and out of that little thought, the agency was born. Uh, and then that was July 24th of this year. Uh, it's now 
exactly three months later, October 24th. Uh, and, you know, we're uh, cash flow positive. We have multiple clients. We have repeat clients. And uh, sky's the limit. We're just getting started. So that's uh, kind of exciting for me. Dude, I freaking love that just simply because, like, it, it's incredible. So, like, kind of diving down the copywriting route for a moment, what, 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 is it, what is something that you see personally that a lot of people have problems with when it comes to writing that copy? Yeah, okay. So um, the biggest issue that I see that drives me crazy is people skip over engagement. Uh, they skip over relationship building. Uh, and in the need, in, in the, the necessity of, oh, I need to get revenue or I need to get a sale, they're sacrificing long-term relationships with clients in favor of pushing for more sales right up front. Uh, and for me, I don't believe in that. I believe that the better your relationship with your clients, the, 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 the bigger the lifetime value of a client is. Uh, and, you know, I believe that because that's just fucking true. <laughs> so I, I, I really do not like overly pushy uh, emails uh, rather than a story building sequence that uh, nurtures and engages. Uh, I don't like overly pushy sales pages with way too many CTAs, uh, with fake scarcity, with, uh, I mean, just <sighs> like just when they get super pushy and they're like, here, but buy this now, buy this oh, now, buy dude, this now. Don't, don't, don't even get me started on that shit. And I was like, while you're saying this, I'm actually mentally thinking of the sales page I wrote for the copywriter's room. I was thinking about it. I was like, wait, did I actually get really pushy? How many like CTAs did I put? I was like, I think I put like two call to actions in the entire thing. And it's mostly based on what, why I'm doing what I'm doing, what you can basically pick up on, how it works, whether it's right for you or not. Just basically building a very emotional, uh, what was it, a logic-based argument while also yeah. using the uh, emotional part of story to get that point across rather than kind of going, if you don't do this, then uh, terrorists will come to your house and slap you upside the head and steal your business from you. Ah. Yeah, and you know, I, you know, fool me three times, fine, but I'm not falling for that a fourth time. Yeah, terrorists are not coming here uh, now. But it's you know it's like and 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 calls to action on the page are fine. I mean, there is nothing wrong with that. Like it's that's how you're going to close your sales. But it doesn't need to be every other line. I mean, you know, you have two, three, four on a page depending on the length. That's fine, man. But like, let people make their own decisions. Don't just sit there and try and like be like, oh, well, they're not going to buy if they don't see a call to action. So let's put eighteen of them on the page. Exactly. I mean, people will find it if they want to buy it and they'll read the story and buy it anyway. What I've found, as far as it goes with what you're saying, is kind of like length. So if your sales letter is five or ten pages long, I'd say a decent amount with every two and a half pages, to th dip, as long as it like falls in line with what you're looking at, you can put like a call to action. Like yeah. uh, Clayton Makepeace does this brilliantly, especially with web, web stuff, and that is... Um, as you're going through like every two and a half pages, his call to action is just a hyperlink to a single word or a single set of words. Yep. It's not like an obvious thing. So you click on the link and it drags you right down to the order button. That's all it is. Yep. Does. Yep. Um, and I and I am I'm actually a huge fan of that style. Yeah. Uh, I, I see it a lot in email as well. And so for me, I'm a, a email and uh, sales pages as a whole, not long form, but uh, just a, a direct sales page kind of thing. I'm a huge proponent of put a CTA above the fold. 
So they open the email. There's a CTA above the fold for anybody who doesn't scroll down. That doesn't mean make it a very annoying, pushy CTA. It's, hey, the other day I mentioned hyperlink, a free webinar we're doing for you. And that's it, right? And then you go down and you can tell a little more about it and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, there's a difference between giving them an option and – Yes, exactly. Yeah, basically consent-based marketing. If those <laughs> yes. my SJWs out there, I finally made a point they can agree with. Not saying that I don't make points they can agree with. It's just I've had a couple of my friends that are uh, very, 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 very liberal tell me up for like you can't say that. I'm like, nah, I'm a libertarian. I, I you there. can, you can, you can say anything you want. That's exactly. the point. Exactly. But nothing is threatening. It's all in good fun. And that's all that always matters. Absolutely. Now, what I'm curious about, particularly with you, when it comes down to this kind of, kind of understanding, because you mentioned it so perfectly on, uh, well, is the idea of relationship building, but story building in particular. What's your take on, like, how the... Well, the copywriting industry right now is thankfully going towards, like, creating stories, but the problem is that every time something like this comes along, you get everybody and every... Um, what was it, bandwagon jumper, kind of get on board at the same time and you can't really tell the week from the chaff most times. But what's your advice that you give to someone say, okay, I'm thinking about hiring someone. Um, they sent me an example piece of work or whatever it was. Their story looks good. What would you say would be discerning to look at? Like if you were if you were going to invest in copyright or something. I know that's a really uh, good question, but this is reference. Well, class. so it's actually, uh, I think I'm a pretty solid person to ask on this simply for the fact that I uh, had to screen about five dozen copywriters uh, when when setting up the agency here, uh, and I've got about uh, eighteen of them standing by. Uh, well, hopefully, still standing by. A bunch of them check in with me regularly, but I haven't done the best job communicating with them. And while the agency is growing very nicely, I don't have the work to hand off just yet. Uh, but I did have to put in a lot of time screening. So uh, what do I look for is consistency. Uh, you know, one sample of work is not going to be enough for me. Um, I want to see that they are consistent uh, across multiple formats and uh, or at least across their specialty. I want to see multiple examples of their work. And, you know, if they're following a formula, hey, that's fine if you do it well. Um, but I, I consistency is going to be the biggest piece uh, and then obviously talent, like if they're, I have one guy standing by with me, he's actually, uh, he's actually uh, Europe based and uh, he is, uh, he's really, really, really sharp guy. He's not a financial copywriter, but when I post, when I put the, the call out, uh, he responded and uh, he sent samples and I, uh, and I was looking at him and I was like, I, I read like the first paragraph and I was like, this is good. This guy is really good. Uh, and so his name is Danny. He's in Ireland, actually. Uh, he came out to the uh, Danny, uh, Danny Mallon, if anybody's looking for a good, good writer. Uh, and so he's a sharp, sharp guy. And I read his stuff, and I'm just like, bam, this guy gets it. Uh, sometimes you'll just know. Yeah. And I, with him, I, I knew. With, with a few others, I had to like really go through and dig through and ask for more samples. Uh, 
uh, and um, and if uh, you know it's a, if you know you know, but otherwise you need to take the time to go through a lot of samples and then uh, look for that consistency. And if you're not sure, I spent money um, vetting some people by giving them a mock trial, right? So it's like, hey, um, you know, I want to see something on the fly. Make me this, this, and this. Uh, and there's, and I'll tell them like straight up, like I don't have any plans to use this. I just want to see what you're capable of. And I am, you know, and I'll pay you for that. Like I'm okay paying you to see what you come up with because uh, I can always use it down the road if I need to. So I did that with a few people, uh, and I had a nightmare one of someone as a content writer sitting there talking about what a great writer they are, and I was like, okay, we'll send you some samples, send some samples that were okay, and I just said, all right, well, you know, uh, let's maybe do a test run of something, and uh, this person was, uh, and, you know, I try and pay my writers well, uh, so content, blog post, whatever, will be, you know, depending on the subject matter and the length, 75 to $150 uh, US per uh, per post. And we're talking, you know, 500 word posts, not not 3,000 words or anything like that. So I try and, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, is this going to be the best you can get? If you're a good writer, no, you'll probably be able to command, you know, double, triple that. Uh, I know I can, but... <laughs> This is me doing all the work, doing all the editing, finding the clients, et cetera, et cetera. So the writers get taken care of and they get treated respectfully. Anyhow, this guy was like, okay, sir, you know, you're going to need to pay that up front. And I'm just like, okay, that's fine. But this guy spent. Uh, hold on a second. It's a, yep. it's a, uh, I'm keep talking. Hold on. Keep going. Okay. So this guy spent so much time just blowing me up on Messenger for payment and then he had me send the payment to the wrong paypal address so he's sitting there blowing me up to cancel the first payment and resend it and i'm like not responding because i'm doing a whole bunch of other things and so he's like getting annoyed with me at not responding and so finally i'm just like all right man you need to chill out forget it this pro the, the payment is canceled don't worry so is this project i don't need you uh and he ended up uh being like no oh, please i'm sorry da, da, da. it's fixed now we can do it da, da, da. so i was just like you know what he caught me on a generous day and i said fine so i resent the down payment he did the work he sent it back and it was horrible uh, I spent more time uh, editing it than it would have been. And I gave him a piece about, uh, you know, analyze the 10 strongest currencies in the world and what makes them strong. It's not a hard topic. You can that Google is, that. That is a no. dead simple topic to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can Google that and get 100 results with uh, factual analysis, charts, everything, right? Super easy. Uh, yeah. By the way, uh, the the whole. By the way, just so you guys know, because you would have heard the ringing, it's just a delivery for something that a friend of mine had sent me for my birthday. Um, so I'm just gonna go collect that. Ite is just killing it, by the way. So I'm just on the <laughs> side. Please keep going, just so you know. If I disappear, that's why. Yes. No. No. All good. So it's you know it. The point is, uh, there 
uh, and my, my right-hand man, Ted, he yelled at me for like, man, you, you got to protect your time and you cannot be so generous all the time because the, your time is your resource and this guy just ate a bunch of it away, cost you money, and you're throwing out the piece he did. Uh, and he was right. So now uh, it's I'm going to like those vetting processes are going to be fewer and far between. And uh, if it if I get any red flags like that of uh, you know incapable of operating independently or uh, you know like not able to produce enough samples that I want to see, I'm I'm out. Uh, you know, I don't owe it to anybody to babysit them, to train them, to teach them. Uh, now, on the other hand, I had a bunch of a bunch of people come to me and say, "Hey, I'm new, I'm young, I really want to get into financial copywriting. I'm hungry, I work hard. I don't want to, you know, be a drain on you, but I really want to learn, and I'd love to do some sample pieces or some projects uh, for free or on spec." and uh, you, if you could just kind of rip them apart, edit them and help me get better. And, you know, I, I told them, I was like, listen, that's definitely the approach you want to take. And I appreciate that, but I have a premium brand and a premium product. I don't have the time to go through and train anyone or edit all your stuff. Uh, you know, like rewriting it from, from the top down. So keep practicing. Here's some free resources and, you know, when you get better, keep checking in, send me some samples. And when I, when I see what I like, you know, we can start doing some work together and, and explore that. Uh, but this was after the fact that I, was, that I realized that I had to protect my time. And as much as I want to help everybody and you know, be the nice guy for everybody, I can't. I can't afford to do that and grow my business. So yeah, you really, you really can't. You kind of have to. You make that sacrificial play really early on, and yep. that's that's what it is. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm very blessed to be in the position I'm in that I've worked in for so long and had such a you know very thankful and healthy career uh, as a copywriter and a consultant. And I can tell you right now, there are times that I've I've taken on projects just simply because I know I'm in that position that I can. But sometimes it it's not worth it. And you got to walk away from it because it's it, you, you did it out of the kindness of your heart and it completely comes back to bite you in your ass. Doesn't mean you yep. don't do kind things. And Ite does do kind things, by the way. Just if you haven't figured that out, you will anyway. Just like look at his Facebook, it'll tell you everything. Um, yeah, my, uh, my, my love languages include um, appreci- words of, of gratitude and appreciation and, uh, yeah, word, there you go, affirmation and then uh, grand gestures, uh, gift giving. Nice. So that's so, one and two. Um, quality time and um, physical touch. Yeah, no. Uh, physical touch is, is, I think, number number three on there. But, uh, you know, with my friends, with my relationships, uh, I'm very big on affirmations and encouraging others and, uh, you know, uh, grand gestures and gift giving. So I try and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the Jewish mother, if you will. Uh, you know, when, I, when people come over, uh, I... Uh, you know, I have to make sure everybody's taken care of and everybody has everything they need. And like, hey, are you good? Do you need anything to drink? Like, hey, is something wrong? Da, da, da. Uh, so that's, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a running joke. But uh, my right hand man, Ted, he's always like, all right, go. You're good. Just go have fun. Go have a drink. I'm like, all right. 
I love it because I'm very similar with my friends over here. It's like as soon as you come to my house, I will dote all over you the moment you're here. Yep. <laughs> it's just it's just a thing for me. It's like I can't have. Um, I used to think I'd be able to do my work if my friends were over. I was like, oh, they're working and I'm working. We can work in the same room. No, because then I end up like looking after them. I'm like, no, I want to look after you. It's like, don't you have a deadline due in like three days? It's fine. I'll yeah. Get to <laughs> yeah. <laughs> first. Exactly. I mean, I can I can do a uh, I can go into writing sprints where I have uh, you know I'll, I'll just work for like sixteen hours straight and ignore everything. So that's not uh, too too hard. Uh, so sometimes, it is what it is. Sometimes uh, I, those I, things are amazing. Yeah, I think uh, I'm actually okay with that. Um, many years ago, this was uh, this was when I got back to college uh, after a few years sabbatical. Uh, that we talked about briefly. Uh, the I was dating a dating a girl, and uh, she had cystic fibrosis, which, if you're unfamiliar, is a uh, currently uncurable uh, disease where your body produces excess mucus. Uh, you can't turn it off, uh, uh, and eventually, what happens is your breathing capacity goes down, 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 down uh, until you know not to be a downer, you end up drowning in your own mucus uh, because it fills your lungs. Yes. So, um, you know, back then I was a little asshole, cocky on the world. Da, da, da. Well, uh, you know, right before Thanksgiving break, uh, winter break, she picks this huge fight with me, huge fight with me and says, da, 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 you know, like out of nowhere, it's delete my number. We don't, we need to take a break. I don't want to see you again. Like out of nowhere. I'm like, okay, whoa. And then, you know, I was like, you know what, fuck you, whatever. I don't need you anyways. Huge fight. Uh, 48 hours later, I got a phone call that she had passed away. Uh, and, you know, it, it uh, broke me for a while, uh, but it built me up stronger. And, uh, you know, I mean, I realize now that she had picked that fight to give me some buffer and cushion uh, so that the anger would protect me from the grief kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, it didn't didn't work, and it seriously uh, did a number on me for a while. But the lesson that I took away is there is nothing so important that it's worth just leaving angry about, right? So um, I'd much rather give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And uh, if I'm going to get walked over, I'm going to get walked over. But it's only going to happen once. You fuck me, we're done. Yeah. Uh, I, I treat people. Yeah, exactly. Like I'll give everybody. I'll go out of my way for everybody. But the, you know, you fuck me once, and uh, you know that that that's it. So even, like I I have a similar rule, which is basically which is true to yours. But it's the idea of the only way that I'll ever give you a second chance is if you try and find a way to make the reason why you screwed me over, why why it happened. Like for instance, if I hired you for a project, you didn't deliver on it what were the reasons, what happened, so on and so forth. And if it's one of those things where you're like, okay, I totally understand it, because there are some exceptional reasons to why some things happen, at that point, I'm like, okay, cool, I get it. You were scared, you were going through some depression shit, outside life was killing you, whatever it was. All right, I understand. But if you do it again and again at that point, I'm like, the second yeah. thing is, is one and done for me. It, it, it yeah. For me. But if you're like a real asshole, <laughs> just worked me over for no reason... Or yeah, no and there's a dumb reason. I'm like, yeah, you're dead to me. So to protect to protect myself from that, uh, we use a bunch of project management features. 
so I use Asana to manage any writing projects, and that is both my own and, and uh, my writers. Uh, and basically, we split it up into, okay, you're doing the VSL. I've already done the discovery document for you. Here's all the resources, everything you need. Now I need you to uh, you know, do this part, this part, this part, this part, this part. First, I want your, you know, your headline, your um, first, and then I want your, you know, your nightmare, your nightmare story and offer, et cetera, right? Like break it down into the different pieces. Each, each piece is a different, uh, a different uh, to do within the project management tool. And then they have to check it off on time. And if they ever fall behind, then they get me jumping down their throat. Why are you behind? Uh, and if it's because, oh, well, I'm still stuck on this and I'm, you know, I'm not sure which direction to take it, fine. But if it's, oh, I didn't get to it yet and I'll, you know, I'll knock it out tomorrow, not okay. Um, since, you know, it's not my project or my money, it is my clients. Uh, and that's way too important to let them screw up by working on their own time. Uh, so when it's a team, everybody's got to work together. And if they're, you know, that's, that's what separates the agency from an individual copywriter. Uh, it's what lets me turn around full funnels and promos in 30 days instead of 90 to 120 days is this assembly line expedited model where specialists are working on what they do best uh, with creatives and editing and discovery and research coming from the top and then uh, ensuring quality throughout. Uh, so, you know, protecting yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's a lot more efficient. Uh, and so I built the whole thing on systems, processes, and efficiency, uh, while ensuring quality. And that's, you know, that, that's the quality can never dip. Uh, but being able to do that at a really, really, really quick pace is we're dependent upon everybody sticking to the systems. So to protect myself from writers, who will you know drop the ball? I just make them stick to that schedule, and if they can't, then they can't work for me. Gotcha. So that's a really again, like I said, super smart way of doing it. Um, just keeps everyone on point and on track. Now, okay, so kind of jumping off a certain point because again, it, I'm not going to go down that path because it's been highly publicized. Everyone knows yada yada yada. My question is when. When you were in that sabbatical phase, what were some of the biggest lessons you actually learned? Okay, so for everybody listening, that sabbatical phase uh, is just a joke. It's I was actually incarcerated for three years, well, two and a half after good behavior, when I was 23 years old. Uh, I sold marijuana in college while on probation for manu manufacturing fake IDs. Um, I deserved to be where I was. Uh, it was... One of the best things that has ever happened to me to this day because it made me get my shit together. Uh, and, you know, maybe I lost three years of my life, but I was a fat shit when I went in. Uh, so I got in shape. I got my health together and it added a, at least a good decade to the back end of my life, which, let's face it, is the one that's going to really be valuable to me. So yep. totally worth it. Um, but I learned quite a bit. Uh, first of <laughs> First of which was accept responsibility and uh, don't waste any time on self-pity because that doesn't serve me in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so what's the point? Uh, so while I was in there, like I said, I got in shape. I focused on my health. 
uh, I taught a couple people how to read, which was really cool. So uh, I learned a nice benefit of helping others. And uh, I got really, really, really good at Scrabble. Uh, you know, I went in there, um, somebody's like, Oh, you want to play Scrabble? And I said, yeah, I'll play Scrabble because, you know, here I am this privileged white male educated, uh, you know, it's, Oh, I'm totally going to win because privileged white male used to win it. Uh, not the case. These guys whooped the shit out of me. I mean, like I knew, I knew words. But they knew the right words to play. They knew the strategy of how to play, maximize points, play efficiently, maximize points while limiting uh, openings for your opponent. So Scrabble is very much like chess in that uh, you got to know the real money comes from the two and the three letter words. Well, I read the Scrabble dictionary cover to cover. Uh, Nobody likes to play with me anymore because I will whop you uh, at real Scrabble. Words with friends, people play, but yeah. Um, so I learned that, right? Uh, and then fast forward a couple of years, I got out. Um, I went back to college, to my college. I got my degree. Uh, I had done my uh, interview to get back in with the warden standing next to me. I did it from her office with the uh, dean of judicial affairs at University of Florida. Uh, uh, and they let me back in. The warden gave me a glowing recommendation. Awesome. So I got out of prison September 8th, 2008 uh, at 1 p.m. in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. My car was packed. My dog was there. My family was there waiting for me, waiting for the facts to come in. Second, it came in, uh, signature on it, signed, and I'm out the door in the car, drove straight up to uh, to Gainesville, Florida, and made it to my 720 class that night. Wow. I had missed the first week, the week of drop ad, but uh, I got, you know, I picked my classes. I had talked to all my teachers in advance and uh, I was ready to go. Uh, so I went back and I got my degree. Now, the only reason that I did that is because they told me I couldn't um, because it was, oh, well, you know, you, you, you're a felon. You don't get to go back to school. Blah, 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 blah. So I was just like, fuck you. Watch me. Uh, which is generally how I do everything. You know, anytime anybody tells me I can't. That's so pretty much the consensus I found with almost everyone that comes onto the show is that we have that yeah. to do. Fuck you. Well, uh, that, that should be a big lesson to anybody who is listening that wants to be on the show. <laughs> um, so, you know, I did that and I got my degree. Uh, now, I should have left after getting my degree, but I was making up for lost time. Ran some nightclubs. I was bartending, uh, running security. Uh, since uh, for those who can who don't know me, I'm a really big guy, uh, very very large. So um, I ran security, bartended, had fun, had too much fun. Woke up one day, realized I'm either going to end up dead or back in prison. Uh, and so I said, "Fuck this, I'm gone." Now uh, the next week, I left Gainesville. Uh, a month, less than a month later, I had moved to San Francisco, uh, across the country, uh, to, uh, live with my oldest brother, Barack, uh, who is always been a very, uh, healthy influence, um, CFO, Harvard grad, dual masters from Stanford at 26 and just a wonderful, wonderful person. So I lived with his husband and him, uh, they had a guest room. 
while I beat the, you know, put the boots on the ground and just walked around handing resumes to every marketing agency in San Francisco. Uh, and the response was, oh, you're great, but you can't pass a background check, so we can't hire you. And I'm actually pretty grateful for that because, you know, if, if I had been able to, then I'd probably be stuck somewhere in some middle management nine to five job having to ask permission to take vacations or to travel somewhere or for anything, right? Or for a raise. Uh, whereas now it's, if I want something, I go out and do it myself. Uh, you know, I want, uh, <laughs> I went and I spent a month in uh, Israel uh, in May and I'm planning on doing the same thing in Italy uh, next year. I'm going to Florida in two weeks and then I'm going to Vegas and then I'm going to Baltimore. You know, it's, uh, I'm hopping around and it's a mixture of work and play. And I love that I can do that. Um, but what the biggest lesson that I learned from that is don't rely on other people to make shit happen for you. Don't rely on winning the lottery. Uh, you know, I have a whole bunch of lottery tickets here. Uh, I just call them books because they teach me stuff and they actually generate money regularly without having to roll the dice on it. Uh, so, you know, biggest lesson from being uh, in prison for three years is don't count on others to do for you what you can do for yourself. That's a great life lesson in its own right. And now you mentioned books. I've got to ask. Actually, no, I'm going to say that for later because I, I was like, ooh, tell me this. I was like, no, shut up. <laughs> ask that question later. But something I really want to just jump into is like, you're actually like a really fun guy regardless. Like you just get so much stuff done, but you also make time. You calling me a mushroom? I don't know what a mushroom is. Fungi? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Dad jokes. Oh, dad God, jokes. Seriously, you got me with a dad joke? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Anyhow, go, going on. Oh, joys. I'm actually going to enjoy that far more than I should. But, <laughs> but like, what is it? How do you structure your days so you actually get to take time off to relax and recharge? Because I don't know about you, but me personally, because um, I've been writing so long. My yeah. brain kind of, I, have, I got to the point where I couldn't do the three week full on project creation where it's like we start on day one and we don't stop until day 21 and I do everything for that time. Um, yeah. Like, how do you structure it? So that's a great question. Um, I don't have a work life balance. Uh, I, you know, if you're launching a, a, a business of your own and you think you're going to have a work life balance, uh, get the fuck out of here. You're not going to have a work-life balance, at least not for the first six months to a year. Um, and that's okay for me. I don't have kids. I don't have a girlfriend. Um, I, you know, my, I have two dogs and, uh, you know, working from home, they're thrilled because I'm always around with them. Uh, and the way that I structure my days so that I don't burn now is I work as much as I can. And then I, when I don't feel like working anymore, I stop working. Uh, I will, I'll, I'll read or I'll watch a movie or a show, or I'll go do stuff with friends and have a drink, play some Mario Kart on the switch. Hyrule warriors. I mean, just like anything where I can just unplug and kind of do just mindless enjoyment where my brain shuts off for a bit uh now if you're like me uh 
then your brain is going to just continue working anyhow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'll sit there and write a page and then I'll sit on my phone on Facebook or you know something. My brain's continuing to work and I'll just be looking at ads or promo pages or something just, you know, and then all of a sudden inspiration will hit me and then I'll just turn out another five pages and then I'll stop. And then I'll, you know, I'll take a break. If I have a date or if I'm meeting friends or something, then I'll go do that. Uh, and the way that I look at it is, is I don't believe in a schedule. I don't believe in a nine to five. So I'm not going to set one for myself. Now that doesn't work if you don't have a killer work ethic, but for me, it's, you know, I mean, I'm up at, in the ideal situation, when I'm at my peak, I get up around 5.36, I go hit the gym for an hour or two, I come back, shower, um, have a protein shake, whatever, and then I will start my day. I'll read the Wall Street Journal, I'll go through and look at what is happening in the world, uh, and then I'll check my emails, and then I'll start, I'll look at my calendar and say, okay, here's what I've got today. Uh, here's what I've got the rest of the week. What is the priority? What do I need to get done? Uh, and you know, and a bad habit is I work best under pressure. Now, while that sounds good, that can lead to extreme procrastination, mm-hmm. which is why I use those project management systems. So I check what's due, and then I make sure to focus on that. Um, you know, right now, for example, I'm. Uh, working on a uh, webinar script uh, and a webinar funnel for Newsmax, which is a great client to have, a big, big client, and a really nice feather in the cap. Uh, but, you know, the, the actual uh, project itself doesn't kick off for a while. We're meeting in two weeks in, um, in, uh, in Florida. Yeah. In South Florida, and uh, and I told them that I would have um, version one of the entire package done, and they're just like, uh, uh, that seems excessive and aggressive. And I was just like, well, I'm still going to have it done, and so I am going to have it done. I stick to that, uh, but you know, it's I've got two weeks. I've already knocked out the biggest part of it, the script itself, and. The rest of it's only, you know, I'm going to make it happen. Uh, but I don't want to wait until there's like, oh, my God, I'm freaking out about it. So I just keep working on that and working on that. And in the meantime, I also have other deliverables to other clients. I have consulting calls. I have uh, networking events and meetings. I have uh, Josh Lee's wedding this weekend, which I'm super excited about uh, cool. here in uh, Austin, Texas. I don't know if you know Josh Lee, but uh, he and Rachel Bronson are getting married, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so... Uh, you know, it's, that's the closest that I come to balancing, uh, uh, <laughs> balancing my life. Uh, but generally it's just, I just work and then I'll take the time off when I need the time off. See, that's the thing I was looking for because you literally confirmed how my brain works and how a lot of people I know listening to the show work. We are obsessive types because yeah. the, my, my belief is there are two types of people. If we're using the two types of people analogy, the two types I look at is obsessive and addictive addictive personalities are the ones that can't get on unless they got something to do like, mm-hmm. like give it to me let me have it it's kind of like an entitlement mentality that's the addiction like i want money i'm entitled to money so give me money that mm-hmm. they do have their place good to them the obsessives 
we can take or leave anything we do. Just know that when we do take it, we're not giving it up without a fight. It's basically yeah. dog with a bone theory entirely played out because I'm the same. It's I, I jokingly say this to so many people. I'm literally a dog with a bone. Um, right now, I started. I started like I took two and a half months off of training in jujitsu because um, I damaged my shoulder and my uh, back, and it didn't feel that good. So I decided, okay, I'm gonna join a regular gym, a weightlifting gym. Just if, you know, start working on the body mechanics, start getting a little bit stronger in what I'm doing. So I hired a PT and started working with him. It's my second week. Um, my body freaking hurts right now. Actually, it fucking hurts. My body's killing yeah. me right now. Yeah. Um, can't straighten out my arms, can't stand up for too long, and I'm still doing jujitsu on top of it. So my whole thing is like, while I'm putting my body in this crazy mode of depletion and work ethic and so on and so forth, I even turned to my PT today and just said that to him. I was like, look, the reason I don't quit is because I'm obsessed. He goes, what do you mean? He's like, I'm obsessed with my health right now. So I'm starting to eat a little bit better. I'm starting to train a little bit more. I'm getting more sleep. I'm making sure that I look after myself. I'm not letting shit just like, like sit in me anymore. I'm just going for it. And he was like, oh, you like that with everything? I was like, yeah, put me on a project. That's, that's what you get. Though very much like you, um, I work best under pressure. I just hadn't until this exact moment. <laughs> figured out how I actually get out of that and you actually gave me that by telling me what your um, process is yeah it's I mean I have to manage my time a lot um, with the tools to get the work done uh, but because I can get distracted on the calendar is something that's important to me uh, and I don't want to give anything up um, it's because it's it, it's very difficult to, to be like no I'm going to stop doing that right so yeah uh, what helps is a schedule and a routine, right? I am at my peak when I am getting up early and hitting the gym. And then, uh, you know, that triggers a healthy breakfast, which triggers a, you know, I might go meditate or I'm going to stick to this routine. Uh, and then if I'm ever like finding myself really out of sorts, uh, using Google Calendar really helps. I'll just block off chunks of time for exercise, meditation, research, emails, um, project work, project B work, project C work, uh, and then, you know, allocate the hours and then anything I don't get to, I'll just drag over to the next day, laundry, groceries, whatever. It's so refreshing to hear someone else have almost the exact same like thought process that I do. Oh, believe me, that is not, uh, not uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun though. It's fun when you actually get it to work for you, not so much when it's against you. Yes, correct. Cool. So something I do want to ask here is the question I wanted to allude to earlier, but I didn't get a uh, I was like, I'll save it for later. And that is quite simply, um, what would you say were the three most, most influential books or movies in your life? And here's, here's the kicker though. Two of them have to be nonfiction. But the last one can either be a fiction, a biopic, or a biography. Um, all right. So that's a great question and an extremely tough one to answer. Um, I, you know, I think if I'm have to say the most influential books in my life, uh, you know, I mean, I can. Women, friends, maybe need people, think and grow rich. I can give you all of those, but I'm going to give you guys a couple that uh, you probably have not heard of that have been uh, 
two of the biggest ones in my life easily. Uh, and that is uh, Peak by Chip Conley. He is uh, the head of reality for Airbnb. Uh, he was the founder of Joy de Vivre Hotels uh, and just a brilliant guy. I've been fortunate enough to get to sit down with him one-on-one. Uh, Ori, actually, my brother, set that, uh, set that meeting up, which was really cool. Um, but brilliant, brilliant guy. Uh, and, uh, his book peak focuses on creating peak experiences, uh, and peak experiences being at the top of Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh, so once all needs are fulfilled, you can get the most out of both customers, employees, and investors by creating peak experiences for them. So it's analyzing what really uh, you know affects them and what their needs are. And so once you can do that, you can create better stories, you can create better experiences, you can provide more for others, which builds relationships in a big way. Um, another one that I will give is Sam Carpenter, Work the System. Uh, this is a quick book, it's a quick read. Both of these are, I mean, they're only a couple hundred pages maybe. Uh, Sam Carpenter's Work the System is all about systems and processes. Uh, and this is the book that really kickstarted that whole thing for me and my uh, my kind of obsession on efficiency and, and systems. And it starts off with a story of him on vacation and uh, his vacation is – so Sam uh, runs a, a series of call centers uh, wherever. Uh, and so he's on vacation in some biking – vacation in Oregon. They're gone for a week. They have no cell service, right? So the last night before they get back, sitting around a campfire and he hears a, a bunch of little corporate, uh, you know, corporate young bucks sitting there talking about who's going to have the most catching up to do and the most emails to respond to and the most, um, and the most voicemails that they have to get back to, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, they, he hears this circle of guys like, uh, all focusing on the one alpha corporate guy, right? And they're like, oh, he's going to have hundreds of them. And it's going to take him two weeks just to get back from the week vacation. And he's, you know, smiling along, blush, like blushing. It's, it clearly meant as a compliment, except it's not. That guy is going to be buried and have to keep producing and get caught up at the same time. And his point, his point is when he gets back, he gets back, he turns on his phone, he had one message, and that was from his assistant. And she summed up the entire week for him, and everything was already handled because of systems and processes. Uh, and the, the, the point of it, and the moral of it, is if you cannot pull yourself out of the company as a pin, and it still runs smoothly, then the company doesn't work for you, you work for the company. Uh, and so the best, way, the best way to be able to, uh, to handle that is uh, is by establishing systems and processes. Uh, and that's really stuck with me over the years. Uh, so I give those as two of my very favorite uh, books that people generally don't know, uh, rather than like the big, giant, really well-known ones. Uh, and then as far as fiction, oh man, um, I, I, I like to read fantasy and sci-fi books for fun uh, and they give a lot of um, they give a lot of a lot of the ideas behind them are, are you know good versus evil uh, man versus self uh, man versus man like it, 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 there's a lot of lessons to be learned if you 
kind of read through what's happening and then kind of analyze it. But I think uh, one that's really, really, really stuck uh, with me here that I have not been able to stop thinking about is Man in the High Castle, uh, currently on Amazon. That is a great uh, show. I... Uh, you know, I started watching it originally like a year ago, uh, <laughs> and I was trying to get the subtitles on. I accidentally put on audio description, which is for like blind people to be able to watch as well, uh, and it ruined the whole thing for me. And like, I didn't even get through the first episode. Well, I watched it again uh, and without the audio description. And uh, I'm Jewish, uh, Israeli. I've lost. Uh, a large chunk of my family in the Holocaust, huge chunk. Uh, and so Nazis and all that uh, fascism is difficult. Uh, you know, I'm impossible to offend and, and I can roll with the punches, whatever. But this was, you know, the first couple episodes were really, really, really tough to watch, particularly uh, the scene where, uh, well, I won't give anything away, but something happens to the family of one of the uh, people being interrogated uh, and it hit very close to home as Jew uh, and you know they're threatening him because he's a Jew in the thing. So lots of Heil Hitlers and all that. And you know, the, the visual, the visualism of all the swastikas everywhere is, it is, it's tough to, 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 to take in, but in this day and age uh, it's, it's close to home uh, because it is what happens when we stop fighting and when uh, people just kind of roll over and let stuff happen. Uh, and so I appreciate the resistance and a lot of characters within that show, uh, but it's more a don't stop fighting message for me. And I just have not been able to get it out of my head. Uh, it, if you haven't seen it, highly recommend it. Might be a bit difficult to get started on, but uh, definitely worth it in the end. Uh, and then, yeah, there's um, there's a ton of. Uh, I mean, there's no no end of reading materials. Like I'm uh, currently working on uh, about to start um, the Big Leap by Gay Hendricks uh, for personal development. You know what? That book is great, but the, my only my only gripe with it is. Um... I'm one of those weirdos that has a real thing about like font size and paragraph structure. Yeah, so am I. I haven't started it yet. That's next on my list. Uh, Sapiens uh, by Yuval Harari. Great book. Uh, yeah, and then uh, my uh, mentor, John Nitsen, runs uh, Financial Marketing Summit. He is an avid, avid reader uh, of fiction, fantasy, sci-fi, but most importantly, nonfiction, historical books, biographies. Uh, so anything he recommends to me, I read quite a bit. Uh, so I've got The Three Kingdoms, which is this uh, history of China and warfare. And uh, it's, a, it's fiction, uh, but it is historical uh, about, uh, you know, about uh, the history of it and, and the war. And, and everything that happens there and it's about strategy uh, and so many books are so you know as a marketer you're not just one thing uh, if you're a copywriter and you don't know how to market or how to network or how to research or how to close deals or have to then, together for people, then you're yep then you're an employee 
Uh, and for me, it's I want to be self-sufficient. Uh, and so that means understanding how to view the world through another lens. Uh, and for me, that lens is uh, being able to understand everything around me uh, and how to work with people uh, and value in relationships. Uh, and the best way to learn how to build those out is by understanding what's already happened before us. So, I mean, nothing I'm experiencing is truly original. Other people have gone through this before. I guarantee I'm not the first person to go through anything I've experienced. I'm not the first person to go to prison. I'm not the first person to start an agency. I'm not the first person to lose someone important to them. Uh, it happens to all of us, uh, and it's happened before. But if I can prepare myself, then you know maybe I get uh, maybe I respond better, and maybe I'm not surprised when something happens, and maybe. I'm better equipped to come out on top when something goes down. Uh, so how to deal with it? Yeah. Yep. It's basically those books teach us many lessons. Exactly right. Like one of my favorite books that I get. By the way, because you do read, um, do you ever read like crime thrillers and stuff like that? Um, I used to. Uh, I used to read a lot of. Uh, I used to read some crime thrillers, uh, some historical, and a lot of. Um, a lot of fictional ones. I used to really, when I was locked up, I read Harlan Coben constantly. And his are always mystery, whodunit, thrill, uh, crime thrillers uh, that are just a lot of fun with, with these great characters that he developed um, that are, you know, I mean, somewhat predictable and formulaic, but they follow a, uh, a big, uh, they follow a formula. That's pretty cool. I was going to suggest if you were... Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm both them. Yeah, I was going to say, so the one that I would suggest to you, as listeners do know, is um, Chris Carter's The Crucifix Killer. Chris Carter's The Crucifix Killer. Say that ten times fast. Chris Carter's The Crucifix Killer. Chris Carter's The Crucifix Killer. I think we'll get to our four. I'm okay with it, but like saying that too fast too painful. But um, book's a great book. I mean, the reason I, probably want, the reason I like reading it is it's engaging. But like I'm uh, like the irony of being a dyslexic copywriter is not lost on me, so it does make me laugh that um I, I love reading certain books, but like it takes me time to get through books. This book I got through it in a day and a half. Really? Okay. Well I'm adding it to my list. It's like from a study point for, for our brains and how it works, read it once for or if you can read it at the same time someone's gonna see accessing both parts, which I believe you can. Um Read it while, uh, for everyone else that doesn't do that, you can read it once and enjoy it. Read it the second time and break down why it's so addictive. Mm. Because um, I remember giving this book to my friend David, um, and I was like, uh, he lives like, he t his train takes an hour to get home from where I live. So mm -hmm. I'd given it to him, I was like, read this on the way back home on the tube. So he's reading it on the tube, and uh, he almost missed where he had to get off because he was so enticed. Mm -hmm. I've done that. I love that. It's like, he was about a good 40 or 50 pages in by the time he got there. Like it goes, it's so easy to read. Um, but it's so well well written, creates suspense, creates mystery, makes you want to know who's doing what. It, it's just a good book overall. Um, now, kind of like re running into this one, um, actually, I'm going to ask you this question. You've given a lot of advice today. I want to ask you this question in particular. When life kicked you in the nuts and had you like on the ground looking up, and you've answered this already, 
and you lost all confidence and hope in yourself or just in things around you, what was it that got you to stand back up? And how did you how do you now maintain that you don't fall into that deep of a zone? Um, that's a great question and it's uh it's very tough because I've I have fallen back into that zone. Uh and you know, you gotta find gotta find your why. Uh if you're doing this just for money, if you're I mean, money's not a good enough reason. Money is just a tool that we use to facilitate other things. Uh, that's all money is. So if you use money to count, uh, to keep score, and money is, is what you equate with happiness, then you need to reevaluate your relationship with money. Um, for me, it's uh, before I went to prison, uh, I was home. I was living with my parents, waiting for the, you know, waiting for the hammer to drop, so to speak. Uh, and I was depressed. I would, you know, I'd go out at night, uh, and I'd just get super drunk and, and, and then I'd sleep all day and I would eat really shitty food and I stopped taking care of myself. Uh, and I kind of, you know, shut down a little bit. Uh, and I think that was harder on my parents than me actually going to prison. Uh, and I remember waking up one night at like four o'clock in the morning and going to get, going to the fridge to get water. And, my mom was sitting in at the computer in the living room uh, playing solitaire. And I was like, hey, what are you doing up? And she just starts wiping her eyes. And she was clearly just crying. Uh, and, you know, I knew why. Because uh, I'd broken her heart. And uh, that hurt me more than anything else in my life did. Uh, and I swore that I would never put my parents through that again. I uh, swore that. Uh, and I remember when they took me away from the courtroom uh, to start my incarceration, uh, you know, my parents were there in the front row and I could just see, uh, you know, I could like see their hearts breaking, both my mom and my dad. Uh, and it was the, one of the hardest things I've ever been through in my life. And I swore right then that I would never, ever, ever, do anything to hurt them like that again, uh, and that I would make them proud, uh, and that was my driving factor: make them proud. Uh, so, to this day, I call my parents regularly. I mean, they used to they used to call me constantly, and I would ignore it, send the voicemail, or whatever, give one word answers when I did pick up. All they wanted was to talk to their son, know what was going on in, the, in his life, uh, and I didn't give them that because I was a fucking asshole. So. Now I call them regularly. I tell them everything that's going on, good and bad. Well, maybe not everything, but, but I tell them. Most things that are okay to share. I tell them, yeah, I mean, I, I share my life with them, uh, and I ask them for their opinion, and I visit them when I can. They're always invited to visit me here, uh, and they do. Uh, and, you know, I mean, and, and I never get tired of hearing them tell me how proud they are. Uh, and it's not always wins. But they're still proud that I'm, you know, I fight forward and I keep moving. Uh, and that's my why. Uh, if you don't have a why, you don't have a reason to get up. Uh, I had a startup uh, and it was about three years as a physical startup. Uh, and the, the entire time it was a, a losing battle. I learned so much though. And it was, it was a very dark, dark time. It was uh, difficult and depressing. Uh, but it was, you know, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, and that period of depression was really easy to get lost in 
because even though I put on a good face and a happy face, uh, striving forward behind the scenes, man, like I had to choose between gas and groceries. I couldn't go out with friends because I didn't have enough money to buy beer at the bar. Uh, and so I just had to make stuff up and I'm fortunate to have some incredible friends and mentors here in Austin, Texas. Um, you know, the my lead system pro guys and OSP guys, um, Brian and Jim finale, Todd Schlomer, Jim's wife, Meg, um, Jesse Jameson, like these guys, um, you know, uh, Henry Fuentes, uh, Dave Gonzalez, uh, you know, these guys here in Austin have looked out for me years ago when I had nothing, but they saw enough in me, uh, to kind of take me under their wing and encourage me and mentor me and drive me. Uh, and, uh, you know, Jesse Jameson and Kate Buck, uh, Kate Buck Jr. Oh, soon to be senior, I believe. Uh, she's changing her her uh, uh, moniker, uh, but uh, yeah. So, well, I don't know if that's public knowledge yet, but by the time this comes out, that should be. Um, so, you know, yeah. So, Kate's actually the one who got me into copywriting years ago, uh, and she's the one who got me uh, into digital marketer. Uh, and who uh, got me working directly under Perry Belcher for a while. It was Kate, right? Uh, and these guys looked out for me when I had nothing. So they are family to me. And, uh, you know, they, they helped keep me going. Um, but in the end, it's, it's my parents. My parents are my why. Uh, so what I would say is just like with um, just like they tell you in AA and NA, you need a support network and you need a driving reason why, right? So uh, I've got a great support network of people who have encouraged me, but uh, in the end, it is I have a reason to not give up, uh, and that's because I saw what it did to my parents, and I refuse to let that happen again. Uh, so they're my why, uh, and you know I. Hope in the near future I have another why with a family of my own and kids and whatnot. But for now, it's my parents, uh, and that's good enough for me. And if they weren't there, I'd keep going on in uh, in in their memory uh, and work even harder to make them proud. So you know that's an easy why for me because I've already I've already uh, put them through the ringer once and saw what it did to them and won't let that happen again. That's amazing, dude. I love that and. Guys, I want you to just re-listen to the show again because uh, Ite actually like dropped a ton of great knowledge. Even when like carrying the show for me when I was uh, when I was <laughs> make sure that everyone was there, but he loved it really. Yeah. Anyway, um, guys, go check out financialcoffeeshop.com. Hit up Ite on social media. He's really super easy to find. It's I T A Y Bengal B E N G A L. Uh, and I actually have a fun image that I'm gonna send you after the show um, because it's it, it it's because I got Bengal cats. Uh, you 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 get what I mean. It's just hilarious. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, thank you so much for actually taking the time today. And yeah, uh, thanks for having you. me. Oh man, more than happy to have you on again. Um, and guys, go check out. We'll, we'll have to do it for the high table at some point again. <laughs> the high table is gonna be paid, so yeah, we'll we'll definitely get on that when it's time. Yeah, that's just creating an open loop for your listeners. <laughs> you guys are going to be in for some treats. All right, brother. I'll, uh, guys, take care, and I will see you on the next episode. Ite, my brother, thanks again for doing this. You got it, Adel. Thanks for having me, brother. All right, see you guys soon.